It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, buckle up. It's time for episode 192 of the three-point podcast. MSU and Michigan both won on Saturday and improved to nine and one. The next two weeks are going to be wild, boys. The Lions losing streak is over. And our Corona Cavaliers put up a great fight losing to unbeaten number three Marine City in the Division 5 high school playoffs. Our championship team includes Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drug, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Home, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, let's jump right in, first of all, to our alma mater, the Corona Cavaliers. In the, on the road, regional championship. Down a couple touchdowns, Marine City driving for another score, and all of a sudden the Cavaliers turned it around, got a little confidence going, and came, you know, this close, really, from pulling a big upset and moving on to the semis. Yeah, I was working Friday night. I was doing an NBA game, but luckily our game wasn't until 10.30, so I was able to basically sit there and listen to your guys' call the whole time. And I didn't actually, by the time I tuned in, it was 14-0, so... I was, you know, we had talked about last year's Frankenmuth game and wondering how this year's game was going to go. I was starting to wonder, oh, man, is this one going to, you know, get away from Corona? But, man, they turned it around, and all the credit to the players and the coaching staff and everyone because they didn't give up. And, I mean, they were right there. We were talking about it before we started recording, you know, a play this way or a play that way, another turnover or a big, big offensive play, and they could have pulled that win out. So, you know, for I, I was texting some friends who you know are, have some kids coming up through through Corona and you know still still involved with the program and stuff. And we were saying, obviously, we, we would have loved to see them win. But what an awesome experience for those young kids that are going to be coming back next year, the sophomores and the juniors. That's just an incredible experience for them to be able to play in that game and build on that. So. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those losses. You don't hang your head on, you know, that was an awesome game. Yeah, it's it sounds like they really battled. You know, we, all three of us, I think, were kind of in the same boat where we wouldn't have been shocked if they lost that game by 40, wouldn't have been shocked if they won that game. 
Uh, it reminded me a lot of there's like two different ways you can go on those big games. You know, there's the Frankenmuth game from a couple of years ago where I think they lo- I think Frankenmuth's still out there putting points on the board in that one. Uh, and then there's this most recent game, which is where you battle, you go drop behind by a couple scores, and you find out who you really are as a team. And sounds like we got a lot of players and a couple of sophomores who made some really big time plays in the biggest game in Corona football in about what five, six, seven, eight years, really. So it you you hope that they build off of this. Uh, this offseason and say, hey, we're close. If we work really hard this offseason, we can really accomplish some things. Uh, and you just hope they do that instead of the classic, you know, oh, we're pretty dang good. I guess, you know, we don't really have to work that hard anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you talked about it last week, Jared. And we all three played football and understand the ebbs and flows and momentum. I mean, you, you can't always say, well, this sophomore class, they got two more years. You got to go for it while you can. And they went for it. And, you know, it was looking a little bit like that Frankenmuth game when it was 14 to nothing. Marine City's driving downfield for another score. You know, it's over if they yeah. put three touchdowns on the board. And, uh, you know, Tarek Bauer really kind of set the stage with a pick. Kind of kind of weird call by the Marine City coaching staff, too. They're just they're just running it right down their throats and all of a sudden going to a, a pass. That, w- that was what I heard, actually, was. Uh, basically, they were doing whatever they wanted, but they the coach kind of was overthinking himself, and like they were running it for you know five, six, seven, eight yards pop every time every they ran time. the ball. But they felt the need to you know go for those like back breaking touchdowns, which you see a lot of coaches do. You know they just get bored, yeah. and you know we we could all easily fall uh, victim to that as well, but. Sometimes the best, the smartest coaches are the ones that just do the simplest of things, and that's just hand the ball off. Well, it sounds like to me exactly what you're saying, Jared. And yeah, listening to the call, it seems like the first couple times Marine City tried to throw, it got picked off. So it was kind of like, what are you doing trying to throw? It's like Michigan against uh, Washington earlier in the year, where Kate McNamara only yeah. threw the ball like eight times or you know whatever it was, because Michigan knew they were running the ball five, six, seven yards a pop, like you said, ten yards a run. So, yeah, I wonder how the game would have went. I mean, who knows how it would have went if they would have just kept running the ball. But, you know, that doesn't matter. Corona battled back, and it's definitely cool. What it makes me think of with all these sophomores, and we've talked about it now a few times the last couple of weeks, all these sophomores, they've got something, like, legitimate to build on. Um, not, not bringing my team back, but just thinking about my team in 2002, we had probably five or six, if I could really think about it, five or six, seven players who played varsity as sophomores. So by the time, you know, we became seniors, that was their third year playing varsity football. And so it'll be, I'll be curious to see what Corona does next year, you know, when some of those guys are now juniors. But then definitely when those young kids are seniors and they played a ton of varsity football, that goes a long way. I mean, and that kind of stuff, I mean, we, you guys, you know, we all know Corona football pretty well. That kind of stuff doesn't happen all the time in Corona where you get, you know, a bunch of sophomores who have played you know, or a bunch of guys as seniors who have now played three years of varsity football. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it. The the table is set. You know, they got to they got to concentrate on right out of the gate. I say three things: you got to stay healthy, can't have injuries to your key star players, so to speak. You got to stay away from the booze. Got to stay away from the girls. <laughs> concentrate on what you got to do on the athletic field. And you you still can have fun, but you know if stay you really away. concentrate on stay it, stay away from the vapes. The, <laughs> Absolute is that the thing nowadays? That is, it pretty much is. That's really. A lot of, I mean, as stupid as it sounds, because you basically get nothing from it, right? Other than I guess you think you look cool, uh, but that's yeah, that's what's been running rampant through high schools for the last like five years, wow. pretty much since I was in school. Yeah, so. see, I'm kind of out of touch with that. <laughs> it's back to the game for just one second, you know. After getting a chance to kind of 
sit back and realize what happened. And it, you, you could feel it in the game. Corona was down by a score. The Cavaliers had the ball. Uh, you know, Marine City ran the ball like seven minutes off the third quarter clock and then missed a field goal. Corona blocked it. Corona got it back. Kind of had three or four straight first down drives. It looked like they were maybe going to go down and score and get within one. And, and the thought had crossed my mind, damn, they're going to score a touchdown and then Herrick's got, Coach Herrick's got to decide what to do. I think you go for two. Go for the win at that point. What do you guys think? And it, that well, definitely I, crossed I, my I mind. You, I remember you, you said that during the call, and I almost wanted to text you and say, <laughs> I don't know about that spot in the game. I, I get it. Go, you know, go for the juggernaut. You're, you got all the momentum. But I feel like at that spot, you, you tie the game up and you know, kind of take your chances. But I wouldn't have faulted him if he went for two and, you know, you know, don't play to lose or don't play to tie the game, but yeah. it would have been interesting to see what he what he did there. Well, high school kickers, you never know, right? No, you don't you don't kick that. One hundred percent in high school, that is a missed PAT. You know what you also don't do is Rockford versus Grand Blank. I don't know if either yeah. of you guys saw how this game ended. Maybe the most mind like numbing decision I've ever heard. So Rockford has probably the guy that's gonna win Mr. Football, quarterback, mm-hmm. Zach Ahern. Uh, long-term Lansing Catholic coach Jim Ahern's like grandson, oh. you know, about as fast as a high school player as I've ever seen. Kids lightning quick, going to Ferris. They score, you know, basically as time expires to go to cut the lead twenty-seven to twenty-eight. They run a fake PAT field goal and it gets stopped. I mean, it's just it's, it's stuff like that that you just like go, man, don't overthink it. Run, you know, put your stud best player in Michigan, arguably, just put the ball in his hands and you're going to win or lose on his right arm or on his legs. And I just can't believe that. They made that decision and just took it right out of his hands. Wow. And they're going to be thinking about that one for a long time. I, I saw that too, Jared, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, it, it's kind of, it reminded me of uh, James Franklin, you know, with Penn State going for that fake field goal early in the game. It just made you wonder, like, yeah, why take the ball? I mean, I know if you, if you catch the other team off guard and you convert that fake field goal, now people are saying best play call in the history of MHSAA football playoffs, you know, or whatever. But, like, you've got the best player in the state. I mean, why are you taking the ball out of his hands? It's like, you know, I do think sometimes coaches maybe overthink things or try and get a little too cute. But, you know, had, had he converted that, he would have been carried off the field on the player's shoulders. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. In high school, 100% you go for two every time. I remember – uh, one of the best football games that, you know, no one will ever remember because of how it ended. The two times, actually. If you remember, New Lothrop versus Puamo Australia a few years ago, miraculous comeback down by, like, three scores. They came all the way back and went to tie it with a field goal kicker oh, missed. Yes, I And then that. even longer before that, Montrose versus Ithaca, when Ithaca was in the middle of their, like, 70-game win streak, Montrose with, you know, Jared Long and that whole crew – Tied it, or uh, excuse me, he's in the Malik Taylor, who's in the NFL now for the Green Bay Packers. They went to kick the field goal. The kicker ended up going to Ferris State, so it's not like he was just you know some schlub. And they missed it, and the season ended just like that. Like so, I just think I always agree with going for two, especially high school, uh, because it's like maybe a at best a fifty fifty chance that, that kicks going through the uprights. Yeah, well, the the whole thing was that thought had crossed my mind that they had you know they're in the fourth quarter yeah. and they're right in that game, and I I was I was thinking what are they going to do if they do knock it in? But I guess it, we're never going to know. But if you can yeah. ever have a, a a you know I don't know if you can even say a good loss, I think. Everybody that wore the crun of colors probably felt okay. You know, it hurt. Right. It hurt, but man, that was a pretty damn good team that they took right down to the wire and never gave up. I know everybody in the press box, all the Marine City people, 
super impressed with yeah the- i was going to ask you two two questions that first question what was the environment like i'm just curious <laughs> it sounded great but you know a bit, a bit of a drive for the corona locals i heard one of my some of my friends who like i said still live in corona they said that rivals when they drove by looked like it was packed so it looks wow. like a ton of people went up to rivals to watch the game but i was curious you know what the environment was you know up at the field but then also kind of like what you just said coming through on the radio it seemed like pretty loud in that press box. Was there like was there a lot going on up there? Oh well, you know we had a competitive radio station right next to us, and the guy's really nice, friendly guy. Uh, does a great job. In fact, we posted it on our Three Point Podcast site. But man, I told him when the game was over, I said, "Dude, you did a great job on the call, but you're even louder than I am." You know, and he <laughs> laughed about it because, and you know, it was bleeding through our our broadcast. I'm sure you could pick up on that. But the atmosphere up there was it was pretty uh, pretty loud. I mean, their press box people were loud. He was obviously loud. Uh, the band was right below us. You know, their fight song. You got to love this. Marine City, it's anchors away, the Navy song. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Can, here, this is, Sorry, to, um, this might be a Go bit ahead. negative or, you know, <laughs> you would call me negative right before the show even started. But I'm just like, think, you know, you really think about what makes a good program what doesn't. We lose this game. You know, we lost to Marine City. It's not like Marine City is, you know – uh, Cast Tech or Martin Luther King or Brother Rice, like, you know, some program that's been, you know, winning championships for, like, our entire lifetime. I mean, this is Marine City. Well, they've won, they've won they, twice. They've won two they're state basically... championships. They've been to the semifinals eight times. Uh, they're in the playoffs this year, 25 out of 26 years. It's not too shabby. They're, a yes, a good program, but I just, I feel weird. Like, even, like, it's just like, it's like almost like they're looking down upon Corona. Like, your verbiage, like, oh, the Marine City crew, they were very impressed with us. You wonder why we don't ever win these games and why maybe our program has never has never been to, you know, those heights is is like how we and I and it was the same way when we lost the country day. It bothered me after the game how everyone was, you know, kind of acting that same exact way. Like, yeah, we probably would never have beat country day. You know, maybe if we played them 100 times, we beat them 95 or we lose 95, 98, 99 times. Uh, but when you just like when you like it's just almost like you lost the game before you ever even stepped on the field and maybe we were the better team and and but with with the way we view it we're never going to step through as a program until we are upset after a game like that that's fair i mean that's a fair statement really yeah all it takes is one one you know one class i guess maybe this this sophomore class this year is going to be the one to break through one thing that really stands out i know we're probably about to move on yeah I, something that always sticks with me and you know we've had some awesome guests on this podcast and um i mean like a long list of great guests on this podcast especially some local legends and ryan brady is one that we've had on the now svsu head coach who is a you know a legend at chesanane and then grand valley state as a player like I said, now coaching at SVSU. When we had him on one of the times, he mentioned that year that they, uh, so like his junior year at Chesanine, yep. when they lost in the playoffs, and then, you know, the following year they won the state title, he, he said something along the lines of, like when they lost that, that year before, they didn't just, you know, kind of say, kind of like what you're saying, Jared, they, they kind of didn't just say like, ah, cool, we'll, we'll be back, you know, in the summer, we'll get back to it. He said like all the players that were going to be coming back basically got together and said, like, we were right there. We're coming back next year. Let's get on this right now. Let's get in the weight room. Let's keep practicing because look how close we were this year. We're going to be back next year. If we want to get over that top, we need to put in that much more effort, that much more right. work, and stuff like that. So, I, 
you know, maybe me sitting here as a 36-year-old washed-up high school football player, you're like, maybe I'm thinking, thinking like, man, I wish I could, like, tell those sophomores that right now. Like, send them that clip from that podcast and be like, listen to this. You guys can have all of this stuff. You can make a run to the state title. You got to put in the work. I know maybe you're going to play basketball. I know maybe you want to play baseball, run track or whatever, but you put in that work like Ryan Brady and his class did, you can definitely make a run to Ford yeah. Field. Yeah, no, 100%, that is 100% uh, is exactly the type of mindset you hope they have uh, is one that's, like, hungry, and I think they will be. I mean, I know a lot of those kids. I used to walk the halls with them. I, I do th- I do think that they have their head on straight, and they are going to be really good the next couple of years. Just so like, like you said, injuries, always the yeah. biggest part of football. It really is. Yep, stay away from the injuries, but hit the weight room even harder, and like you said, stay off the vape, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna Popcorn be, lungs. We're going to be watching you. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's take a quick little break, and then we'll be back talk a little college football right after this. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items, including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work, along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals, including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. All right, guys, I don't know about you, but watching Michigan this year, there's been a few times where it's just tense, and it was tense again yep. in Happy Valley. Just kind of your thoughts on that game against Penn State. First of all, I, anytime you win in Happy Valley, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I, mean, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I guess pun intended, win in Happy Valley. But like I saw some people saying, you know, Penn State's a little down this year. They weren't ranked in the college football playoff ranking. You know, James Franklin is maybe on his way out, so the team's a little checked out. Sean Clifford was, you know, kind of banged up. You know, trying to make, like, all this long list like everyone does whenever Jim Harbaugh in Michigan gets a big road win. They try and make all these excuses for why they got that road win. They went into Happy Valley and, you know, had some adversity. That late fumble when when Cade got hit and fumbled, I'm sure everyone was thinking, there's Michigan, they're going to blow this game just like they did in East Lansing a couple weeks ago. And I don't know, this team, we've said it a few times, this team looks different than some of the other, the previous Harbaugh teams. And maybe, you know, it's a a toughness thing. They actually have some really good players too. Hutchinson and Ojabo are just absolute beasts. I don't know. I like. I have a different feeling about this team, but we all know that game that's coming up here in two weeks. That's the one that that really matters. But anytime you go to Happy Valley and get a win, I'm happy. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. How do we ever complain about a win? A win, uh, especially when it's against Penn State. And I know that they're not as good as they, they've been in years past. But as long as James Franklin's there, uh, they're a hell of a team every single year. That's there's a reason why USC and schools like that are trying to get this guy. Can we just say? That we love Jim Harbaugh. Where do you guys? I don't know <laughs> this season. Something about him. I mean, the post game interview with Eric All, the wearing the gloves on the sideline with the cleats, and just 
I don't know. Something about this year has really kind of refreshed my mind when it comes to Harbaugh, and I'm just I'm I'm full sail ahead. I need this guy to be our coach going forward. And you know, I, I think there's a lot of weaknesses that we can see will probably be exploited by Ohio State. The only thing I'm holding on hope for is that hey, maybe this pass rush we have can be the the difference maker. But we've seen that before where they just take us out, take them out of the game with quick passes. Uh, but I don't know. I left that game thinking, you know, this team is tough. They're they're never going to quit. And, hey, they didn't quit after that Michigan State game. And we've seen it kind of lay out perfectly for them where, hey, it comes down to one game against Ohio State. We might be, you know, a 20-point underdog, but maybe somehow, some way we can put the pieces together and just beat them one time. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a huge Harbaugh fan. We, we've talked about it before. I mean, he obviously the, the criticisms are justified for, you know, the, the people – the, the knocks against him, I guess, in his tenure as head coach at Michigan. But I want to see the guy succeed so bad. And seeing his passion back and also seeing, like, what's going on at Texas, what's going on at Florida, what's going on at USC, what's going on at some of these other places where there it's just like a revolving door of head coaches. This is kind of the thing that I, I get he hasn't he, – he's winless against Ohio State. I know, Ted, that just – I mean, me, even me saying that probably – just like gets the blood boiling inside, you know, you you got to be Ohio State yes. if you're a Michigan head coach. But like seeing what's going on at other programs that are supposed to be, you know, similar level as Michigan, and seeing like everything you just said, Jared, they're they're playing better this year. It looks like you know the the passion is back. Looks like players love playing for him, all that kind of stuff. Man, I, I'm just like rooting for him even that much more. I hope this is a, they can really put things together. Yeah, pure and simple. I mean, you talked about how great a coach Franklin is, Jared. I mean, I'm the jury's out on that as far as I'm concerned. But if I lay out Franklin or Harbaugh, it's Harbaugh all day. And will I say I love Harbaugh? I won't quite go out on that limb. But as far as do I want Harbaugh to be the Michigan head coach and be successful? Hell yes, I do. I mean, the guy played at Michigan. His dad coached at Michigan. Uh, His roots are in Michigan. Hey, you put up 9, 10, 11 wins a year, contend every once in a while for a Big Ten championship, and – somehow figure out how to beat Ohio State, you know, that's our guy. I'm with you. Yeah, he's our guy. Here's the way I look at it is, hey, he might not win every game, but there's something about him that you gravitate toward, and he's always in the news. And I tell you what, since he's taken over, it's been – the most enjoyable fan base that any of us follow. I mean, who would you – I mean, Michigan basketball has been fun, but – just something about Michigan football and Harbaugh having the keys to it. It, yeah. it just it's every everything is right in the world as long as he is the head coach at Michigan, for better or for worse. I, I agree that there might be better coaching options out there, but I'm not for sure about that. So I, I'm fine riding the wave with this guy. But uh, back to the game, McNamara. We were wrong about this guy. We were so wrong. 19 for 29. I mean, three touchdowns, big throws when he needed it. You were wrong I, about I, him. Yeah, me especially, I will admit. He, <laughs> he. But the reason that I guess I'll say that I'm justified is still Gaddis. I feel like he's like got like the handcuffs around this guy, running it on third and long. Like I get that he might not be, you know, uh, Justin Fields or something, but just give him the keys. And for better or worse, if we want to beat Ohio State, we're not going to do it scoring, you know, 23 points like we did against Penn State. We're going to need to be up there at 30 plus at least 35, probably if we're being honest, maybe even 40 because yeah. we're probably not going to stop their offense. So if we really, we might as well just, you know, get rid of the restraints on McNamara and just let him go because he's shown us he really has played great every game this year. Every time that we've asked him and needed him to throw the ball uh, to win games or even against Michigan State, he almost led us on a couple of game-winning drives, probably would have if the pass interference was called. I trust this guy, 
and I th- I'm ready to sail the boat on McCarthy. McNamara is our guy the rest of the year. I don't need to see McCarthy anymore. He can win us the games we need him to. Yeah, I'll be curious to see. I mean, we all, we all know McCarthy didn't play at all against Penn State, and I saw Harbaugh in, in one of the interviews at a presser said, you know, someone asked about that, obviously, and he just basically said, like, the game kind of dictated him not playing. Cade was playing great, like yeah. you just said, Jared. So why would they take Cade out? But I'm kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm not saying, like, don't ever play J.J. again. Like, say, tuition comes up that, um, you know, maybe you feel like he, he can get a good play in or something like that. I, I would be fine seeing him back in. But, no, I, I'm with you, too. He has shown that he can throw. I mean, is he Joe Burrow at LSU a couple years ago? You know, obviously not. But, like, he can open it up. And the thing is, he makes smart throws. Ted, you you talked about it a bunch before. Like, the whole, like, game manager thing. Like, people have said, you know, why has that become, like, a bad thing? Exactly. He doesn't make bad throws. Like, yeah, he's not, like, airing it out every single throw. But he doesn't make bad throws most of the time. I mean, he's had only two interceptions this year. He rarely takes sacks. And, you know, it just seems like he plays smart. And I think, like, guys see that, too. You know, I, I, yep. previous quarterbacks, you know, we, we like Shea Patterson, and he takes a lot of flack for some reason. And some of the other previous quarterbacks under Harbaugh put up some good numbers. But it seems like, I don't know, Kate just has, like, something different to him. You know, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, a, a swag thing or if, like, players just kind of gravitate Leadership. towards him and he plays hard yeah. or something. But, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm fine, yeah. Let him throw 30 times a game. I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, and even that last pass, the game winner to all. I mean, you know, it looks like a simple pass, but he, he easily could have thrown it behind him. It could have been too low, but it was an absolute perfect pass on the crossing route, and all took care of the rest. Hey, so All has been probably, you know, the, the, the biggest breakthrough this entire yeah. year. I don't know how you don't circle him. He's been great. It seems like every time we need a big, like, first down on third down or second and long or fourth down, it's him that Magmare goes to, and it seems like he comes through every single time. I love it. Harbaugh's always had the tight ends. He always knows how to yes. coach them. That's one thing he's always had uh, is good tight ends. But I'm loving Eric All and against Ohio State and teams that we need to put te- points on the board against. I, you circle him as just hoping that he takes another step, you know, to maybe be in a 10 catches and 150 yards receiving in one of these games. Well, we got to look for McNamara to keep it up because, you know, Hassan Haskins, I mean, he had a big game, you know, yep. but he's he was the only running back that even played, wasn't he? I mean, 31 carries. I mean, yeah, Matt. Do you know what's the deal with Corum? Is he is he done for the season? I mean, I'm kind of on the fence on where I stand with Corum. We saw him basically lose us the game against Michigan State, but we also know how electric he can be. So I want to see him back in the lineup. But maybe he didn't even make the, he didn't even make the trip to Penn State. He didn't yeah. even make the trip. Maybe it's because he was hurt. You know, when he had those bad plays, he yeah. had. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I was starting to wonder that too. If maybe he's been trying to tough out, like you know, an injury, and finally they said, you know, don't even make the trip. I mean, during the broadcast, they said he was going to be out two weeks, you know, like through the regular season. But then I saw a report a couple days ago or yesterday that said he might be back for Ohio State. So I guess we'll see. Um, I, you know, the freshman Donovan Edwards, I think he had like one carry, yeah. maybe two against Penn State. But right, it was it was all Hassan Haskins. And while I love that because it reminds me, takes me back to, like I said in our instant reaction video, it takes, it takes me back to the Bianca Patuka days, the oh, Anthony yeah. Thomas days, you know, where Michigan just had basically one back that did everything. I love that. Today, today's NFL or college football, it does seem like you need – two, sometimes even three backs yeah. that you can go to. Um, so I don't know if 
Haskins is just rolling, so Edwards didn't have to play. I don't know if he's still banged up or what, but I, I would like to see Corum back. It would be nice because he was, has been a great running back all year. Yeah. So, you know, it would be nice to see him back and healthy, but not if he's hurt. Yeah. If he's going to be hurt and dropping balls and stuff, I don't want to see that. Yeah, the one thing I like about Haskins is he, he almost always gets positive yardage, yeah. doesn't usually lose yardage, and he hangs on to the ball, you know. <laughs> Two big things, and he's really not that bad of a receiving back. And no. you know, he, made, he honestly he's made a lot of big runs. You would think with him, it's like no, he never runs for like ninety yards untouched to the end zone. He maybe runs for fifty, sixty, and gets tackled at the ten yard line or whatever. Uh, but I have no problem giving key, Haskins the keys. Uh, and even if Quorum comes back, you know, give Quorum five to ten carries maybe at most. Uh, but let Haskins just kind of run wild. He's shown that like everything you just said, always falls forward on those fourth and shorts. Almost always he's going to get it unless we – like the one we ran against Penn State where it was just like maybe the worst play call of this <laughs> century where we just ran into like 10 guys and when the other side of the ball had and, – and so you got to blame some of that on McNamara not audibling out and you know clearly saying that there's four guys on this side of the center and there's seven on the other. Maybe we should run it to the other side. But, no, I love Haskins. He's tough, and that's what this team needs. We just need somebody that's a consistent runner. You know, before we go to Michigan State – I just want to throw this in there, too. You know, we talked about the Michigan State-Purdue game that was right there in front of us that the upset was there in the making. Are we concerned about on the road at Maryland, cold November game? You know Ohio State's the next game on your schedule. I mean, is this – I mean, and that Maryland team can put some points on the board. Are we a little bit worried about this game? I know I am. I I mean, it's Michigan football, so I'm going to be worried until – like I said, I think the trouble with the snap – I always kind of felt this way, but I think the trouble with the snap game just set me up to never believe that Michigan's going to win until that clock is hitting zero and they've got more points. Like, am I worried? No, they 100% should win this game. But, right, they obviously know Ohio State's next week. So hopefully they're not looking ahead. Like I'll go back to I just feel like this team is a little different with guys like Aiden Hutchinson and Cade McNamara kind of leading them. I almost feel like they won't let these guys sleepwalk yeah. into Maryland. Mm-hmm. But you never know. You never know how these guys are going to play. They haven't really sleptwalk a game this whole year. No, they uh, haven't. You know, like we've seen a lot of other teams do. That's one thing you can say for them. They haven't sleptwalked through a game. But I wouldn't say I'm worried uh, just because, hey, let's say they do lose this game. It just lo- it loosens the expectations for Ohio State, and you just got to always remind. It's kind of like the, like the light, not the light at the end of the tunnel. The opposite of whatever, whatever that would be is Ohio State's waiting. Right. So at the end of the day, whether we lose this game against Maryland or not, it it we find out who we really are uh, in a couple weeks. Well, as I said in the open, fellas, you know Michigan nine and one, and here's uh, Michigan State nine and one. Jared's favorite coach yep. over there, Mel Tucker. And uh, they they took care of business against Maryland, you yeah. know, another good game, you know, and the guy doesn't, this guy doesn't get as much credit as I, I think he should. We talk about Cade McNamara, but Peyton Thorne, I mean, kid can play. He, he makes some good throws. I think early in the year he was maybe a little more inconsistent, but he, he's definitely come on. I mean, I, and this isn't a shot at him by any means. It's not like his fault. I think he benefits a lot from having Kenneth Walker as sure. a running back. You know, people are having a key on Walker so much that definitely opens up the pass game. That's not a shot or anything. That's just kind of how it is. Um, so maybe, in a sense, too, maybe that helps Cade McNamara, too, when, when teams are having a key on Hassan Haskins. But, no, Michigan State played well. Uh, you know, I'll be, you know, finishing with they got Ohio State this week and Penn State this week or uh, the following week. If they win both of those games, I mean, obviously, then they'll be in the Big Ten Championship. If they win both of those games, you that that's one of the most impressive 
turnarounds and like runs that that is one hell of a season if they're able to pull those two games off but I guess we'll see if they do I don't think Thorne he hasn't blown me away I mean we saw it against Michigan he pretty much lost on the game <laughs> it just it took a miraculous like kind of series of events for him for that not to be the outcome uh in the big storyline leaving that one but no I mean how do you not look at Jaden Reed as his wide receiver I mean he's a yeah. stud I <laughs> I mean I circle him I circle Kenneth Walker Peyton Thorne's done a solid job I mean we're gonna find out who he really is because they really need him against Ohio State. They need Michigan State, if we're being honest, 40-plus points to win this game, I think. Because they're not going to stop Ohio State. I mean, they have such a bad secondary and Ohio State's receiving room. I mean, oh. the funniest thing, and we talked about it, I think, a while ago at the start of the year, Alabama's leading receiver, Jamison Williams, transferred out of Ohio State. I mean, what else do you need to know about Ohio State and the receivers they have? <laughs> and Pretty deep. Pretty dang deep and pretty damn good. Uh, so I, Thorne's definitely going to need to play his best game uh, probably of his lifetime, not even <laughs> since Michigan State, since he was a little kid in youth football. He's going to need to play the best game of his life on Saturday. Well, we know the Spartans play with a chip on their shoulders. They always have. And Tucker has it. D'Antonio had it. What do you think, Mr. Uh, Jimmy the Greek? Do you know who Jimmy the Greek is? An old uh, broadcaster. Oh, An old uh, gambler, too. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was an odds maker. Three touchdowns? Do you you jump on that one for Ohio State or Michigan State? Here's the thing that is with these lines, and that's why Vegas they they know this they know more than anyone. I don't know. They set these lines perfectly every week. It most seems of the like time. most of the time, they set them perfectly, and they set them because they know which way the public is going to go, the way they'll make money. I mean, isn't that crazy? It shocked me to see that, especially. Yeah. And I tweeted this out. I thought it was hilarious. A day, a day before this this line even came out, you know, Michigan State, the rumors were coming out of East Lansing. Hey, they're offering him Ryan Day, and it's the verbiage was just hilarious. Like, dude, just say you're offering him a big contract. You don't have to say <laughs> Ryan Day money. What does that even mean? It's not like Ryan Day's Nick Saban. I mean, just just funny that that's the measuring stick. But now Nick day, Saban day, money would be something. Yeah, a day after that, and they're a 20 point underdog in what has been like a Cinderella season for Michigan State. It's scary, but I mean, tell me this: you don't see a world where, let's say, Ohio State's you know ahead by one score two scores and they get that last garbage time touchdown to you know make it a 21 point game it happens all the time i mean it's one of those lines where you're going to know exactly what type of game we're going to have ohio state's very first possession they're either going to march down the score and look you know virtually untouched or michigan state's going to show hey we're, we're here to play so I don't know. It's gonna be a fun one to watch. I don't. I have no idea which way it could go. Kind of like Corona and uh, Marine City. It, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if it's a close game. Wouldn't shock me if it's you know forty point blowout. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing is is it, Michigan State seems to. I mean, we maybe not necessarily haven't seen Mel Tucker do it. I mean, he's got obviously the big win over Michigan this year, but in the D'Antonio years, they would pull out wins like this where they're clearly not favored, not expected to win, and they would pull out big upsets or something like this. So I would not be shocked at all if we're going into the fourth quarter and and they got the lead or they're within one score and they have a shot to win because, you know, they – Peyton Thorne, while well, yeah, he maybe he's not blowing everyone away like like we were saying, but he's good enough. He, they've got skill players and they've got Kenneth Walker that they can just like rely on. Now, if you know, who knows how Ohio State's going to play that? They're going to put nine guys in the box and force Peyton Thorne to like beat them through the air. You know, maybe he'll be able to do that with those receivers. But it, it's Ohio State's so good, especially because of like you guys said, Michigan State secondary has looked so bad and. Yeah. Ohio State's passing game has looked so good. I feel like that's what's going to 
maybe decide the game. And that's not some hot take. I think that's pretty obvious. But you never know. Stroud maybe he hasn't. Stroud hasn't been like, uh, you know, he hasn't been perfect this season. So what if he throws a couple interceptions or they fumble the ball and Kenneth Walker just has a game like he did against Michigan? You know, like. I wouldn't be shocked if, if they're in it in the fourth quarter, but I also wouldn't be shocked if Ohio State wins by 24. So, Yeah, yeah no, I mean, if I'm Michigan State, you have this quote-unquote Heisman back. All right, here's your Heisman moment. They need a like Hercules-type effort from you. And 100%, if they win this game and he looks the part, he's a Heisman winner. They're in, yes. in, a, in a year that hasn't really had one standout guy, and I actually think it's the worst Heisman race I've ever seen. Yeah, you tweeted that out. And how I, do you I not looked agree? at the candidates. I, I do agree. I mean, it's, who are these guys? Yeah. Is basically how you look at it. Uh, but yeah, Kenneth Walker, the, the floor is yours. I mean, ball out, win this game, and you are not only going to New York, you're going to win the Heisman. So, so we'll it, see. This would be the. Johnny Manziel versus yep. Alabama. This, this, it would be that moment. You know, when Johnny Manziel beat Alabama, it was like, holy shit, he's, he's winning the Heisman. If, if Walker goes out there, runs for 160 yards, three touchdowns, and Michigan State pulls this upset, you can basically, yeah, hand him the Heisman trophy because that, it would be deserving. But, you know, it kinda, I, I did want to say, like, you know, you, you tweeted that out about the Ryan Day money, and we were talking about it last week, and we're not getting into the – or unless we want to, but we don't have to get <laughs> oh, into I the whole, want to. <laughs> you know, questioning Mel Tucker or whatever. I still just think them giving – if they're really going to give him that contract, I know they want to keep him around, but, like – justifying that kind of money for Mel Tucker is a like, little bit of a head-scratcher to me. Like, I, Ultimately, I don't really care what coaches make. I've said that before. Like The people who like complain about what Jim Harbaugh makes or you know what other coaches make, it's, I, I just always wonder, like, why do you care so much? Like, that's just it's kind of like what the market you know, is, is defining, what these coaches are going to make. But like the, the fans for Michigan State who act like he deserves or you know, like he should get paid like Ryan Day or Nick Saban or some other coaches, it is kind of funny to think about that because, we, like we said, he really hasn't done a whole lot as a head coach. He's got the one Michigan win that was really like noteworthy. But you know, I'd, I'll be curious to see what kind of money he has offered because it seems like if it's not Michigan State, LSU is going to throw a lot of money his way. And, I mean, good for him. I mean, if he makes a run to the Big the Big Ten title game and then college football playoff, then, yeah, there you go. Offer him all the money you want. But if he ends up stumbling these last two weeks, it's kind of like you're really going to pay him Ryan Day money? All right, go yeah, ahead. I, the way I look at it, and I think this was sort of misinterpreted when I posted this, is I, I do think he should get paid by Michigan State. If I was a state fan and they said, you know, we're not going to pay you, uh, that's what Ryan Day makes. You don't You don't have the same results as him. I would be mad at Michigan State if I was a state fan. You know, I don't care. It's not like it's my tax money. It's the boosters' money. Pay him a million, like a billion dollars for, for all I care about. I see what you're saying. It's you know, and that's what I was basically saying is he hasn't really accomplished anything. You know, it, it, Brady Hoke. We saw what he did year one. I mean, Michigan could offer Brady Hoke something like that after that first year. I mean, we'll see. I I just seem it's just the the way it was written. The headline quote yeah. unquote Ryan Day money is what made it so hilarious. Like just say that we're gonna offer you you know blank millions of dollars and nobody blanks an eye. But the fact that you you say Ryan Day money a couple days later, it looks like they're gonna lose to Ohio State by three touchdowns. Well, How could, do you say that? I could Google it, but I mean is Ryan Day the the top paid Big Ten coach, yes, right? Yes. And that's Ohio State's head yes. coach. So that, that that stands to reason. Harbaugh had to take a bit of a cut with some incentives. Who's second? Is it Harbaugh? No, not anymore. I, no, Mel Tucker's way down. Away. He's like the eighth because like his salary is pretty low. Right. I want to say is, is it James Franklin? Probably Franklin or Ferenc. Yeah, I maybe? mean, well, if you remember when Mel Tucker got hired, like from Colorado, every that was like the big complaint that a lot of people had. Like, how are you paying this guy so much? He isn't. Right. 
it's like who gives a shit but <laughs> uh but no i think mel tucker is before he ever even won a game at michigan state he's already been very highly paid by right. them no michigan i want state doesn't mess around that's one thing you kind of know and i saw they're just getting a new another like 10 million dollar upgrade to their football facility like a tom it, izzo yeah football it's facility, like right that's kind of they, they they give a shit about their athletics and you can tell they do. and it's it's i i wish that Mich- i mean michigan clearly does do that but it's surprising to see for Michigan State because you 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 don't put them on the same level as Michigan. Well, with that yeah, Harbaugh Harbaugh's actually the eleventh highest paid head coach in the Big Ten now. Holy cow! Kind of funny to think about. Obviously, he's got a ton of his incentives. Right. Uh, number number one's Ryan Day. Number two, Pat Fitzgerald. Ah, Pat number Fitzgerald. Number three, Mel, Mel Tucker <laughs> at number three. Number four, Scott Frost, and then number five, Kirk Ferentz. Wow. So, you know, obviously, if if Michigan wins the Big Ten and goes to the college football playoff, I t- I would assume that's a lot of the incentives for Harbaugh. <laughs> but you know, his base salary is way down at the bottom now. Well, I'll tell you one thing: uh, if if uh, you know Michigan State's coach there, Mel Tucker, if he runs the table, I don't know when they're finishing their negotiations, but even right now at nine and one, he's in a he's in a power position. You know, yeah. if he's going to talk contract because. If they like what they see from him, you know, as a person, and obviously he's, he's had a hell of a year, you got to pay the going rate. You just have to. You, yeah. You got to pay the going rate, especially if you got SEC schools trying to come take him. I mean, exactly. Yeah, he he's got all the bargaining chips on his side. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's going to be another. I want to I want to ask you guys though, real quick, if if we're about to kind of move on. Yeah. What do you guys make of? The Mel Tucker, I mean, I can't stand this stuff. Like when he he refuses to say Michigan, he says that school down the road or whatever he says. Or like the Michigan fans who, you know, like Brady Hoke started the whole like Ohio Mm -hmm. instead of Ohio State. Does that stuff bother you guys as as much as me? Like I, I just don't understand like what the point is of that. Like a reporter said Michigan when he was asking a question about to to Mel Tucker about Michigan and like Mel Tucker corrected him and said, You mean that school down the road? And it's just kind of like I don't understand. Like, are you? Is that supposed to be like trash talk, or are you like trying to get an edge, or like the Michigan fans who refuse to say Ohio State? And I'm just kind of like it's Ohio. I like re- replying to people who say like, "Man, I hope we just beat Ohio." I like replying and saying like, "You mean the Bobcats? Ohio? I don't think we play the Bobcats. Ohio University. We're playing Ohio State." Or you know, like stuff like that. Maybe it just bothers me. It's just in a, like a pet peeve type of thing, but. Does it bother you guys as much as, as it does me? It's dumb as hell. Yeah. And that's well, – it's funny that you say that because that's kind of your, you know, Paul no. Bo, Schembechler, stupid – It's kind of childish the yeah. way I look it, at it. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt anything. You know, no. I think it's kind of funny. It's stupid. But I don't lose sleep on I, it. I, I, I would never be a part of the group that's calling – schools that right. you know if you're the head coach whatever who cares it's kind of funny like within the locker room if, if that's how you refer to teams but no I, I if you're like a everyday fan and you're calling ohio state ohio and eastland uh, michigan state the team down the road i'm in ohio you, you state got a few crosses screw- out the yeah ends. like you got a few right. screws yeah. loose yeah uh, it's, it's, but you know when you look at it all too though it's all part of the the, the the excitement of college football all this right there's nonsense involved but i mean it's it's college football you know and it's number one to all three of us isn't it isn't college football the king i would oh, yeah. say it is oh yeah yeah i mean i love college basketball too well but. yeah i mean college basketball the the tournament is the best sporting, best sporting event on event. the calendar 100 yeah. percent but the longevity of college football and the entire season what we get out of it it's the best in terms of yeah. from start to finish you're entertained right and we definitely like it better than pro football and you know we'll be moving on talk a little pro football because like i said the lions uh winless streak or their perfect record 
is uh, intact now as uh, they put on just a scintillating performance against the Steelers. We'll talk a little bit about that right after this. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance, no problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona. Or give them a call at 989-720-4295. I never really watched the Lions games. You guys know that. I think it's maybe like fate that I, my eyes found the way to a TV screen to watch this Lions versus Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers game because if you didn't watch it and you're a Lions fan, you need to go watch the high, like the low lights, as I would call them, because it really was like it was like a youth football game. There was drops all over the place, penalties every other play. Sloppy. It was rainy. It looked like maybe like there was no one in the crowd. Uh, the Steelers didn't give a shit. Big Ben wasn't playing. Uh, it was just like maybe the worst game I've ever watched with my own two eyes. But and, and at the same point, I couldn't take my eyes off of it because of how bad it, <laughs> it was. It was like a train wreck. Yeah, it really was, and. obviously probably the weather did play a part because like the quarterbacks were barely even throwing the ball but when they were it was either way off i mean golf was terrible uh the steelers are getting a bunch of drops i mean even the lions were dropping a bunch of balls too for golf but you know the fumble at the end of the game and then that that field goal attempt you know the lions had to win the game in overtime looked like i think jared you probably could have done better than that i mean it was it was an ugly football game, but the one thing I will say, and we've we've been talking about Dan Campbell this whole season, and I've been a little back and forth. You know, I've said I, I definitely am rooting for him. I've been a little bit back and forth on his whole, hey, I don't know, his shtick or whatever you want to call it. But I'll say one thing, man. The dude cares, and he coached his ass off. I mean, he, he took over play calling, and – he, even in the overtime, and he was like, he was in guys' faces trying to fire them up. And, you know, you'd maybe see a lot of coaches maybe just like shaking their heads, almost kind of like checking out a little bit. That dude cares, and he wants to win. So that that's one thing I will always say. Whether it's going to actually translate into wins down the road, I don't know. But the, the dude coaches his ass off. He does. It is funny that he took over the, like the play class. That's never. It's never good when you see that, especially when it's like. You, I just think you think of like the NFL masterminds that are out there, like McVay, Cliff Kingsbury, 
we have Dan Campbell calling the plays. It's just you got to <laughs> think that maybe he's not the best guy for the job, but, hey, he seems to think it'll be – he. Hey, it was the best result we've had, which was a tie. Uh, but, no, that kick that Santos had, <laughs> I, it was laugh out loud. Like, it was it, you, him trotting out. And <laughs> I always love it when they show, like, the kicker, like, w- when a team is, like, leading a, like, you know, game-tying or, like, game-winning drive, and they always sh- show the camera on the kicker. And you feel like you can get a good – like, you. there's certain kickers, like Mason Crosby or – uh, the Patriots kicker for the longest time, the Colts, Vinatieri. Yeah. Like you can just tell, like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to 100% make this kick. Right. Or uh, Justin Tucker for the Ravens. When you looked at Santos with, like, the handlebar mustache he had or whatever, <laughs> and just, like, the fact that he was, like, picked up, like, off the waiver wire. like Second maybe, time you know, around yeah, with the like, Lions. how many times is this guy? You just – the rainy, and they were talking about how this field is known for, you know, a lot of kickers miss field goals here. You just knew that that, that was basically a pointless try. They might as well have just gone for it on fourth down <laughs> than w- w- try. Him out for that you knew he was going to miss it. Yes, that's for sure. It was, it was all time uh, moment. But the funniest thing maybe of the entire game was what happened afterward, which is Mike Tomlin basically what he told his team in the post game like press conference or whatever. What he told the media, he said was he quote unquote acknowledged their fight and that's it. <laughs> like he's, he's he acknowledged acknowledged them for fighting and that was the that, only comment was he made it, to huh? them. <laughs> then no other bright spot for the Steelers. I mean, good <laughs> lord, what was that? If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, this team's trying to make the playoffs. They have a solid team, what, maybe the best defense in the league. What the hell was that? Well, it's got to affect you a little bit when Roethlisberger right before the game comes right. down with COVID, you know, and he can't play. But I mean, Mason Rudolph's not going to win you a Super <laughs> no. Bowl, that's for sure. And the weather was a big factor, but yeah, it was it was a it was a yawner for sure. <laughs> it's kind of more impressive if they go 0-16 and one, isn't it? <laughs> than 0 and 17. Oh man. <laughs> I guess. At least they're not the first team to go 0-17. Right. But those ties are just so crazy. I know people go back and forth about it. I don't – the new college football overtime where it basically goes to, like, two-point conversion off right. after a couple overtimes, I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Ending a game in a tie just seems really weird. Maybe do one overtime, you know, like traditional quarter like they do, and then go to the college format or something because – Ending a game in a tie just doesn't feel right. I know they talk about player safety. They don't want them playing for, like, you know, five hours or whatever. But I don't know. Just ending a game in a tie seems weird. I did see, I meant to mention, uh, the Lions did release the kicker, Santoso. So uh, they weren't impressed with that kick either, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, that was a no-brainer. You knew that was coming. Yeah, well, hey, they got a tie. All right. And I did watch that entire game. So it was It was It was an entertaining game. It was. I mean, it was – you were laughing, you know, something hilarious was happening. And the Lions should have won that game easily. I mean, Rudolph threw almost threw, a, a, like, the most obvious, like, horrible throw right to our safety, and, of course, he, like, bobbles it around and yeah, drops it. Yeah. It's like that's just what – that is what this team has been doing all year where you could point to, like, five games and say, we could be five and four right now. Right. But – All year? They, yeah. Or for the last 60 years. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> for the last 60 years. It's, it's, it's like <laughs> Michigan football sort of in a sense. It's like – we just don't make the winning plays, and it's surprising because you think, oh, they're in the NFL. Like you would think that they know how to win games, and they've won their entire life, but they just don't have the mentality of a winning team. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what Campbell does next year. I think he'll be back for another year, and if they get a few more bodies, you know, they got to figure out quarterback. I mean, I'm. I kind of early on, as you know, said Goff will be okay, but he's not okay. They gotta they gotta do something different at quarterback. I think maybe you tweeted it. Uh, Fitz Magic is he is he starting anywhere? He's hurt. He's oh he's hurt. He's, he got hurt like right before the season started. Out for the year because a guy like that, 
I, I could see be the quarterback for a transition you period. Feel, Goff's not doing it. These wide receivers are not good. They're not good. You're right. They're not good. Right. Um, funniest thing was somebody was talking to me like you, know, some guy who just loves the NFL draft and like football was like kind of trying to get me to like converse and like a conversation with him about you know oh the Lions who are they going to take in the draft this year you know Aiden Hutchinson Thibodeau like they're going through all these guys they should take and I was like there unless Trevor Lawrence is re-entering the draft this year <laughs> there is not a single draft pick we could make uh, uh come March that is going to make me excited right like right. it's just I don't care if it's Hutchinson or some elite pass rusher he's it's like dropping a little drop of water into a bucket it's not gonna make any change you're all about the quarterback and there's nobody there there's no one I mean Matt there's no one projected to go in the top 10 which for the NFL draft that's That's preposterous yeah yeah and I I definitely I mean golf it's I'd be curious you know the whole contract situation I don't know if they can just buy him out or cut him or you know something but I think they owe him a ton of money still I'm I'm with you too Ted I kind of if they, if they could find, like, a Case Keenum type of, or, yeah. yeah, the Ryan Fitzpatrick, just like a veteran quarterback who's solid for a couple of years, and then, you know, hopefully maybe next year, year year or two down the road, get a young quarterback. But this team's just so far away. Like you said, Jared, one, people keep saying, like, yeah, but at least they're going to get that number one pick probably. <laughs> and I'm like, kind of like what you said, Jared, I'm like, cool, but, like, what what is one number one pick going to do? They're not all of a sudden going to be playoff contenders. I mean, they've had a ton of number one picks, and nothing's happened. So, but you got to give Campbell a year two. I mean, we we've said it before. You hired this guy, you've got to give him at least two or three years to kind of get things going because this roster is bad. Pitiful for sure. Before we move on to a little entertainment to wrap up the show, uh, Monday Night Football. I'm I'm all in still on the Mannings. It's incredible. <laughs> you say oh, it yeah. every week. Man. I know. I mean, it's just it's just. Top notch. It's so fun to listen to those it guys. Is. It's just I I love the Mannings, and I actually kind of get made fun of. Uh, like I have a group chat I'm in, and there's like these hilarious photos of like Eli and Peyton when they were kids at right. like Ole Miss and stuff like that. And every time I see something like that, I share it. I, it's something about those two guys and their relationship and that entire family. Uh, it's like I need like a Keeping Up with the Kardashians on those guys. I really do. <laughs> no, it, it, the the Manning cast. We we said it like probably after the first or second one that ESPN just, like, stumbled on something that it might be, like, groundbreaking because, yes. I, you know, last night I wanted to watch the Rams-Niners because I wanted to see Stafford, and, you know, it, it just was a, a good game on paper anyway. didn't end up being a very good game, but, you know, so normally I would have been watching that traditional broadcast, but I, I couldn't not watch the Mannings because it's just so interesting listening to them talk, and then obviously when they have good guests on, like even Draymond Green was super interesting. Phil Mickelson came on and he was basically conducting interviews. He yeah. clearly wanted to show his football knowledge, you know, in that in that spot. So no, and and then just you know they joke around with each other, they take jabs, they actually give you very interesting football insight. It, it, it's super fun to listen to. Yeah, I'd like to see him bring in Cooper, too, because he's pretty hilarious himself. I don't know if you ever caught his act. He's funny as hell as well. So. Yeah, it would be funny to see him come in as a guest and get some of those even even more inside stories that Jared would love to hear. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on, wrap this podcast up. Just a little bit of entertainment tonight. I don't know if I t- brought this up before. Uh, you guys probably have your favorite podcast. Uh, I know you like Joe Rogan. You know, I'd listen to Adam Carolla for a while. But I've been listening to one, and you'll like this, Jared, because you watched all the Sopranos. Talking Sopranos is a podcast. How does the Sopranos make its way into our podcast every week? <laughs> because I'm listening to this, and I'm intrigued. Michael Imperioli, who played Christopher, yeah, yeah. Steve Sharippa, who played Bobby, 
Bacala, yep. right? Great they, characters. They're the co-host, and they break down every episode. I'm on episode 54 of the oh podcast. Oh, my God. It, it's incredible hearing the backside stories. They have uh, guests that were on the right. show. It's it's great. High three thumbs up for that. And then finally, I'll bring this full circle on last week. I talked about Dexter. It's returned. It's on Showtime. I was debating whether I was going to you know, just record it and then binge watch it. I couldn't resist. Watch the first couple episodes of Dexter fantastic didn't miss a beat it's incredible and and the same thing with yellowstone they had a big cliffhanger at the end of episode or at, at the end of season three yellowstone with costner tremendous i've watched the first two episodes of that too so big thumbs up you know, on both of those you know what's funny is every popular tv show now has a podcast like that there's uh parks and recollection with uh, oh, really? rob Lowe. that's on i hear previews for it on sirius xm like every day it seems uh, like uh-huh. there's the office has two of them wow. one with uh brian Baumgartner, who was kevin and yeah, the other that one was pretty popular. that one is actually very good i like that one and then there's the other one with jenna fisher and uh angela martin or whatever uh that both do it, it I, it's it's a great idea i mean if you love these shows it's kind of just like a different way to you know look behind the curtain and podcasts are just so, the way to go with everything you know put them on when you're in the shower put them on Absolutely. when you're in the car put them on when you're doing anything it's awesome probably my favorite feature my phone has is the ability to listen to podcasts uh i got one entertainment for you guys today uh taylor swift has been in the news all week she if you guys aren't familiar with what she's been doing basically she got in a big argument with scooter braun who is justin bieber's agent is what he's known for mostly uh he basically wouldn't give up her like music so she's going through and re-recording all of her songs as quote-unquote like taylor's version is what she calls them so that she owns her own music and while she's been doing it she just came out with this new music video all too well basically people are reading through the lines it's basically about her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal when she was 19 and he was 30. Uh, and this music video kind of talk goes through this whole thing. It's like 15 minutes long, greatly done. She wrote it. She directed she it. She did it on SNL. Yeah, it's awesome. It was 10 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah, but it was pretty good pretty, song. pretty amazing. Yeah. But my reason where I'm going with this is when you look back on the, the last 15, 20 years in terms of music and stars, how do you not, like, let's say it's 30 years down the road, I think Taylor Swift is the person that everybody circles. She's so talented and does it all, writes, directs, writes all of her music, you know, makes the entire beats. I think she will be the one person that my generation, and she's kind of a part of Matt's as well, circles and says, you know, this is our prince or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it's just, she's awesome. No, I, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. You know, I've, I've fallen out, I guess. I don't really listen to her new music. But her first couple albums was when I was in college, and everyone was listening to them. And she just, like, burst onto the scene. Yeah. It's a, when, when she came out, I was working at, at the mall, at that the music store, FYE. Uh, I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but Classic you know, they sell music and you know movies and stuff like that. But so everyone was coming to buy Taylor Swift, but everyone, you know, other people were like, "Who's this Taylor Swift? Who's Taylor Swift?" So it's kind of cool to like look back and think about that when she burst onto the scene. But yeah, I'm with you. She obviously, for a number of reasons, people don't like her for whatever. Some people are just haters and just don't like her music and you know whatever else. Obviously, if if her music's not your cup of tea, that's fine. But talking about her talent and she plays all the in- instruments, like you. Said, she writes her own music and she writes a ton of music for other artists yep. like when you talk about like all that and then this stuff she's doing now like when i read i read a couple articles about what she's doing it, it just seems like brilliant like everything what she's doing like obviously got into an argument or you know uh you know a tiff or whatever with her her agents and stuff 
she's like, I, I want I want to own all this music. I'm going to re-release all this stuff, and she's got a big enough fan base that's going to rebuy or you know repurchase everything. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, as you were saying that, I was just like nodding my head because it's like, yeah, 30 years from now, obviously there's going to be people be people who don't really like her still, but there's going to be people who are like, man, Taylor Swift, like almost groundbreaking in some of the stuff she did. Well, this will tell you all all you need to know. You know how big a slappy I am for the Beatles. Paul McCartney says she's bigger and more talented than Lennon and McCartney. So that'll that'll tell you all you need to know about what yeah, she can do I, in music. She's and she's she started as a country artist. Now she's like she went through like a pop phase. Now it's like her own like alternate genre. Now it's just it's awesome. Yeah. I love her music. I mean she she called. I remember because again like I, I I mean Jared, you were pretty young. I know Ted, you were you're probably listening. I'm not saying you were like listening intently to I'm her not music a when she came out. I'm sure you were aware of it, but right. you know I was in college so like i was listening quite a bit some of my friends were huge into taylor swift and like she caught a lot of flack because a lot of her songs were just about breakups people would say like all she sings about her past relationships or whatever when sometimes i would reply and be like do you listen to any music i would say the vast majority (laughs) of all music is about past relationships or current relationships so it's not like she's doing anything different but you know some people didn't like that but you know, again, going back to, like, she writes all her song, plays all the music, and pro- now is producing it all and stuff. Like, just multi-talented. And I, I looked real quick. She has 185 million Instagram followers. Yikes. So yeah. that's just, like, the new world that we're in, too. Like, not only is she doing all this in the music industry, she's got almost 200 million Instagram followers. And, that you know, that's just on Instagram. So, yeah, man, she's, she's <laughs> crushing it, obviously. No doubt. Well, check out the Saturday Night Live performance. It was it was really good. You know, it was one of the rare times uh, she was the musical guest. She played one song, but it was ten minutes long. Right. So it was. <laughs> it's a great song. It was I really good. To it probably two or three times, and it's an old it's an old song that released on a Red album originally, right. and then she added basically like five minutes extra to this song. Yeah, and she was and rocking out on the, the music guitar video. too. The fifteen minute music video. It's got two. Uh, one of the actresses from Stranger Things, she's oh. bursting out of the scene. Dylan O'Brien, my girlfriend's like biggest like celebrity crush is this guy. So <laughs> I just watch it with the wife, man. You guys might both get something from it. We'll we'll check it out. All right, hey I'll, man, I'll I know you. This, I'll say this real quick: the movie uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, she's good in that movie too. Yep, she can do it's, it all. Right? That like inso- can't say I've ever seen it, but I know she's in it. Yeah, it's like an <laughs> oh, that, ensemble movie. A, I, you would like that, Jared, because it, it's your typical rom com or whatever. Right. But it's one of those that has like twenty different really like big name actors, you know, like five different storylines that it's yeah. bouncing around from. She's in it, and so yeah, she's. I didn't know I was such a big Taylor Swift fan. Jeez, why? If you think about it, <laughs> you never know what you're going to hear her on this if you, if you go through her entire, she probably has. 60 songs that you know right like it's kind of crazy like that's what i and she wrote them all right yeah and it's all different types of genres it's, yep. it's she's just i'm a big fan i'm a swifty i'll i i'm not scared to say it all right well listen boys i know matt you got some nba duties tonight we're recording on tuesday you got to head off what are you doing tonight uh well tonight's college basketball college, but okay. uh, nba tomorrow and friday but yeah tonight a full slate of college hoops and michigan plays in a couple hours here too so Go blue. All hoops. All right. Well, don't forget to follow us at Three Point Pod. Make sure you let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of Rivals, we're uh, we're still putting together some kind of plan to uh, be there on uh, 
Thanksgiving Saturday, the Ohio yeah. State-Michigan game. We'll have some giveaways we're going to give the guys out there. Chi-Town will be there Saturday night. So uh, we'll have more on that on our next podcast. What do you got coming up this weekend? What game are you doing, Jerry? Uh, Belleville versus uh, Sterling Heights-Stevenson. And Belleville is kind of like the new sort of – team that hasn't quite got over the hump in D1 they've been to the I think semifinals like five, like almost like four of the last five years and they are crazy talented so much division one talent every year comes out of there and the big storyline heading into this game is can they finally get over the hump and make it to Ford Field so we'll see yeah a couple other storylines I mean in division three you got DeWitt and St. Joseph and Mason at Detroit King I don't know if Mason could get by no, King but no. if they did DeWitt, Mason, uh, DeWitt, Capital Area Conference DeWitt, rematch. Let's just hope that DeWitt and MLK make it through to Ford Field. That's going to be one hell of a game. And Division 7 also, we've already talked about how powerful that is. Traverse City St. Francis taking on PW this weekend. Should be a heck yeah, of a that's game. that's a great game. Absolutely. All right, and don't forget, tune in live on Z92.5 December 10th for our hoop opener as the Hazlitt Vikings travel to St. John's to take on the Red Wings. Go to Z92.5's website for the entire regular season schedule. Until next time, for Jared Patel and Matt Burns. I'm Ted Patel saying so long, everybody. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.